0: You won't let me live, you won't let me die, the world needs you, does it doesn't need you? Welcome to the Paracinema Podcast, where we discuss cult films, genre films, experimental and art house movies, and anything else that has flown under the radar of mainstream moviegoers or failed at the box office. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm here with my friend Caleb, and today we are going to discuss, uh, well, two things, Justice League, the theatrical cut, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. All right, Adam, so it's your pick again this week, and...
1: You decided that you wanted to talk about these films. Now, obviously, we all know that the theatrical release came out in 2017 and was not only critically panned, but the fans hated it, and it bombed at the box office. Fast forward four years later, we've got this Zack Snyder's director's cut. So we've got these two movies. Why do we even want to be talking about this right
0: now? Well, I know that uh, we usually talk about movies that are, like I said, under the radar of mainstream moviegoers. However, in this case, uh, well, you're right. The first one definitely bombed. Uh, we can talk about the results of the second one later, but, uh, I, I think that the failure of the first one led to the creation of the second one. And now it's kind of become a cult film, one that is pretty divisive. You know, it's, it's not something that, uh, that a lot of people agree on these days, probably not the executives at WB, and definitely not the fans. So, and when
1: we talk about this being a cult film, let's be clear about that. We're not talking about the theatrical release. I don't really know anyone who really sees this as a good movie. Um, We're talking about how the Zack Snyder director's cut of this film, also called Zack Snyder's Justice League, is the cult film is that right right okay exactly so before we get into talking about these two films in a similar manner how we've uh, gone through the other films of the the previous podcast, i think that it's best for us to put this in context and talk about some of the behind the scenes drama that went on with the uh, theatrical cut which led us to the director's cut. And um, just real quickly, I'm just going to run through some of the credits here for those who may have not seen this or don't remember it. Um, so this film, the, now we're talking about Justice League, the 2017 theatrical cut. It's directed by Zack Snyder uh, from a screenplay from Chris Terrio and Joss Whedon, who was credited as a writer on this, which we'll get to in a, in a minute. The story is by Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder, and this is based on, um, of course, the DC Comics Justice League characters. Uh, it stars Ben Affleck uh, as Batman, Henry Cavill as Superman, Amy Adams as Lois Lane, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Uh, we've got Ezra Miller as The Flash, Jason Momoa uh, as uh, Aquaman, and then we've got Ray Fisher as Cyborg. Now the credits essentially stay the same for the director's cut. There's a few things that change here and there, but overall, um, the main difference between these two films is that um, Joss Whedon came in and helped out, quote unquote helped, uh, with the... Uh, the theatrical release. And so that's why he's credited uh, with the screenplay. Um, now, in terms of how much he actually was involved, we'll, we'll get into that. But what we really want to talk about here is what happened with this cut of the film that sort of led it to, to the point where It just was essentially, like we said, critically panned. Nobody really liked this movie. And essentially, it was a failure. I mean, on a a pure box office level, it was $370 million. It took, which was one of the most expensive movies ever. And the box office brought in $657 million. Now, while that may seem like a lot, in order for a studio to typically recoup their costs they need to do at least double what the budget was and so generally speaking this was expected to be a film on the level of something like the avengers that had just recently made 1.5 billion at the box office so warner brothers had high hopes for this film there was big expectations, but what essentially happened is, Zach- They failed. Yeah, they failed. I mean, there's there's <laughs> there's so many reasons for that, but I mean, let's be clear about this.
0: Adam, did you think that this was a good movie? Uh, you know, I remember seeing this in the theater, and I had pretty much waited my entire life to see this movie. By the time it was over, I think I had gotten a new prescription for an antidepressant because it was- one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my existence and can you give us some context there are you a dc fan like oh yeah so so okay for all the people listening here now i want everybody to know first of all caleb and i are friends okay we, we, we've uh, we've known each other since we were what 11 i think and uh we've always liked you know weird movies we're, we're both kind of into the comic book movies i think i'm a little bit more into uh, DC than I am Marvel. Now, I do read the comics, mostly Superman. Uh, I I read The Flash. And uh, I've been a huge, huge Superman fan uh, since as early as I can remember. Um, So, yeah, am I a DC guy? Definitely. I do like Marvel, um, but I prefer DC just because of the characters and the story. So
1: you were waiting your whole life for this movie to come out. And obviously, we've had Superman films over the years. We've had Batman films over the years. But this is the first time that we've seen a Justice League film where it's the, uh, you know, getting the band together and going to uh, slay the evil.
0: Right. It's it's DC's version of the Avengers, which I did like the Avengers, actually. I thought it was pretty good. And I was really hoping that this would kind of uh, double or triple the excitement. I was excited. I even bought the, the special edition, like pre-sale ticket or whatever which i have hanging on my my wall at work but uh kind of wish i'd gotten my money back after it was over (laughs) okay so the theatrical cut
1: so i want to come back to this in a minute and find out exactly what you didn't like about it but before we do that i'm just going to run through sort of a timeline here of events now As we mentioned, this was released in 2017. Uh, The film wrapped in late 2016, and by February 27th, 2017, Snyder turns around and shows the first cut of his film. Okay, so he shot everything that he wanted, essentially, At that point. He, He puts the cut together. He brings it to the studio execs at Warner Brothers, and they basically hated it. They thought that it was convoluted. It was way too long, even at an at two and a half hours, which I don't think is, is really, I wouldn't consider that a long movie, but at two and a half hours, they felt that that was too long, and they essentially called it a disaster and a failure. Okay? So, at that point, the studio just freaks out, and they call up Joss Whedon, who had, again, like we mentioned, he had He's fresh off of directing The Avengers, which is one of the biggest films of all time. Um, that movie was not only a box office success, it was a critical success. Fans loved it. I think it was just widely beloved. Okay. And so Warner Brothers calls in Whedon to essentially help look things over. And they want his feedback and all of this stuff. But it's at this point, it's really not clear as to how far he's involved in this project. Okay. So after they screen this initial cut, um, nine days later, Snyder presents another cut of the film. Okay. So he goes through, he cuts it down a little bit and brings it back to them. It's a little bit shorter, but they still don't like it. Um, they just, the executives are still just not happy with the tone of the film. They think that it's too dark, it's too violent. And at this point, Snyder goes back to work, and he puts together a third cut, okay? And in May, he presents them with his quote-unquote final cut of the Justice League. It's still um, a little bit too long for them. Even at this point, it's two hours and 18 minutes long, and... He screens it not only for the studio executives this time, he screens it for um, pretty much all of the studio's department heads, and some people claimed that it was completely, quote, unwatchable and joyless, okay? Again, people didn't like it, and at this point, Warner Brothers is probably really freaking out because they've they've had months to work on this in post-production and cut it all together. Now, previous to this, uh, a couple months earlier, um, we should mention that that, um, Zack Snyder's daughter dies. And fast forward two months later to, to May, and he's presented this third cut. After he doesn't get the response that he's probably looking for, he decides to bow out at this point and says, I wanna take time for myself. And be with my family, and et cetera, et cetera. And at this point, Warner Brothers turns over to Joss Whedon and asks him to essentially clean up the mess.
0: Uh, yeah, thanks Warner Brothers for for doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, of course. But, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, he did take it over.
1: So, so what happens is, okay. So now, again, we're in May. Snyder's got his third cut out, his quote-unquote final cut, and Warner Brothers is still slated to have a November release date. So they've only got six months to essentially fix it the way that they want it to be fixed or to do something with it to lighten the tone and to make it more like an Avengers movie, essentially. And so Whedon comes in and they schedule a bunch of reshoots, and um, over the course of the summer they reshoot almost half the film. And so just about half of what went into Zack Snyder's final cut at that point got thrown out and reshot by Joss Whedon and re-edited. Visual effects were changed a a little bit here and there. But um, at the point, we should mention, at the point when Zack Snyder uh, delivered his last cut, a lot of the VFX were not even done at that point, and this is kind of the point where a lot of people have issues with this movie with the reshoots.
0: But didn't the didn't the music change too? Wasn't there a different composer? It it was yes.
1: So Danny Elfman was brought in to rescore the entire thing, and you might have noticed this, Adam. That not only did he uh, write a new original score but he also incorporated some of the classic themes he brought in the he brought back the theme for uh, like wonder woman's theme and also batman's theme and those weren't in the original music now maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong here but i know that in this the Zack snyder justice league cut um that was scored by junkie xl do you know if right. he was the original composer for um, Zack Snyder's initial cuts? Yes, I believe he was. Okay, so it's there's a good possibility that he had already s- scored most of that stuff, and that's what the Warner Brothers ex- executives th- wanted to throw out, and they wanted the classic, the classic score. So yeah, it was Z- Danny Elfman came in, rescored it,
0: and I can understand. I can understand that a little bit because it's Danny Elfman. I mean, he wrote the 80s Batman theme, which everybody loves. Um, I'd say that's the best one. Um, he's he, he did Beetlejuice and all kinds of other uh, uh, movie scores. And so I can understand having uh, faith in Danny Elfman to do a good job. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and overall, I don't think that it's a bad score. I think that it's good. Uh, coming back to wh- one of the things that you always mention is, is it that memorable? No, I mean, right. I just watched the mo- the movie again 2 days ago. I couldn't even tell you what the what the music is, but I mean, I think that it worked for the scenes and, and then the 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 moments that I do remember is, you know, when Batman shows up and you hear the Batman theme or when Wonder Woman shows up and you hear the Wonder Woman theme. And I think there's even a few bars of the Superman theme, isn't there?
0: There is uh you mean of the classic 80s Superman yeah. theme. Yeah. Uh, There is like uh, maybe a few seconds of that uh, to imply that Superman is not himself. So it's not like a happy version of the Superman theme. It's it's just a briefly unhappy Superman theme. And
1: since we're on the topic of Superman, let's just get right into one of the problems with the reshoots that almost everyone had a problem with this.
0: and. Can I can I do this one? Yeah, I, I, yes. I have to say something. Yeah. So give me just a couple minutes here, because I want to talk to the citizens of Earth about uh, what happened here. What we're talking about, we're talking about the mustache. And when I say the mustache, so so in the in the theatrical cut, the first thing, one of the first things you see, I think it might be the it's first. It's the thing. first shot. Okay. The first thing you see Superman standing there. It looks like somebody's filming him with a cell phone or something. And his face is just like totally messed up, you know. And I, and I know that's because, uh, and we can talk about this later, but at the time they filmed it, I think he had like a a mustache or a beard or something like that, probably a mustache. And so they used some kind of special effects to remove it and then make him look like he was clean shaven. Now, I have a question for whoever did the effects on that. Uh, I'd like to ask you and the executives that watched it and thought it was good uh, my question would be what's wrong with you because I I remember people in the theater laughing when they saw that it, I don't okay I'm not an artist I can draw stick figures I'm the I don't know anything about making the special effects but that was the worst thing I have ever seen in my entire life and to do that to Superman I mean you might as well just Punch me in the face and throw me in the trash.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It was pretty bad. I'll give you that, and it's definitely the thing that stands out to me as probably the worst thing in in the film. Uh, it's a and going back to what I said earlier, I don't. I do not consider this a good film. There's a lot of problems with it. There's a lot of flaws on many levels, and we'll get into that. But I do agree with you that to set the tone and the mood of the film with this terrible VFX work. And not only that, but just like the way that it was filmed with like the, the, the point of view of, of this, you know, kid or whoever whoever it is that has the phone. It's just the whole scene to me is just a terrible way to open the film. It doesn't really work for me. Um, I, I question not only the VFX, but just, even opening a movie with this, with this scene, it just just doesn't make any sense
0: to me on so many levels. Completely agree. And, and uh, I I want, I I have always wondered how many pairs of eyes did that scene go through? How many people said, Oh yeah, that looks good. Let's go ahead and put that in the theater, you know? And I can sort of, (laughs) I can sort of take the other
1: side on this and, 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 be a little bit empathetic to the VFX artists that worked on this because they were they were basically working on like a very strict timeline to get this done and they just didn't have the resources what Warner Brothers should have done when they realized that this film was going to be a disaster is they should have just pushed back the release date Push it back six months. Find a better date for it to be released, and then, and then shore up the VFX and everything else that needs to be solid with this film. I mean, why risk it? You know, I mean, I understand yeah. that it was already just, just a hellish budget. I mean, there's never. I can maybe think of three movies that, that had a budget larger than this movie. I mean, this is just insane amount of money that's already been put into this movie. But at the same time, that's a huge investment that you're flushing down the toilet if you don't get this right, and so essentially, what's what's going on with this with this VFX here is they're already trying to finish the main VFX work for the rest of the film uh, because they're they're on this like truncated timeline. They had like six months. Uh, they had six months from the time that Snyder had his. Or showed them their his final cut, and then by the time that Whedon was finished with the reshoots, they probably only had about three months. And so you see this not only in the uh, in the in the mustache uh, scenes that had to be removed, but in a lot of the other visual effects as well. Like for example, the some of the Steppenwolf shots, he looks oh, he looks really good when it's a close up. But the wide shots, he just looks like a video game. And I'm not right. even talking about the artistic choice of like what he looks like, but just the execution of it is just not up to par of what it what it should be. And yeah. you see that throughout the film. And it's just, just really unfortunate that they just, they thought it was a good idea to just push through and release this film no matter what, rather than making it the way that it should have been. Or at least as close to um, as close to good as what it could have been.
0: right? Well, okay, so so just one more thing about the mustache. Now, it actually might have been better to just leave the mustache on Superman and have no explanation. So like Superman would have a totally unexplained mustache mm-hmm. for no reason, and then just continue the movie without one. It would have looked better. So So those people that did the VFX, and they did the mustache stuff. You guys ruined my life. But luckily, Zack Snyder saved it. And I know, and in this podcast, and I think we could admit it now, I am going to be on the side of the Snyder cut. You will be on the side of the the original theatrical cut, and we'll both tell each other why we think it's better. But was it a good movie? Oh, I mean, even if the mustache hadn't been in there, was the theatrical cut a good movie? Absolutely not.
1: And I generally agree with that. And I'll I'll say one more thing about the mustache. For those that don't know what we're even really talking about, and, and I'll just kind of give a really quick backstory of, of what went on. So what was happening is Henry Cavill was filming a Mission Impossible film and working over at Paramount. And he had a mustache and kind of this like five o'clock shadow, a little bit of a beard uh, throughout the filming. Now, when he came over to Warner brothers and had to reshoot his scenes for justice league, there was a kind of a battle between Warner brothers and Paramount over trying to get him to shave off his facial hair for the reshoots. Paramount basically said, fuck you. We're not allowing him to do that. Figure it out, whatever. We're already, we're already giving you, like, we're already loaning him out to you to do these reshoots. So you figure it out. Now, Warner Brothers turned around and they even spent something like $6 million for uh, some VFX work to show that they could take a clean shaven Henry Cavill and put a mustache and beard on him much easier than taking off. So they did this showed that it looked perfect, sent it over to, um, send it over to Paramount and offered to pay for all of those VFX shots to be done. Paramount still said, fuck you, get out of here. And so now we're left with Joss Whedon having to do these reshoots with Henry Cavill with a mustache and beard. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, besides the besides the uh, the opening scene, with, which we both agree it is just absolutely terrible, that scene shouldn't exist at all. There are a couple of moments later on in the film that are actually pretty good, in my opinion, that were part of the reshoots, but they just your attention is drawn out of it because now you just look at his face and how fucked up it is
0: (laughs) yeah i wonder if uh when paramount called warner brothers i wonder if that was tom cruise that called and yelled at him because apparently he's pretty good at that
1: yeah i mean i don't i don't (laughs) know what the hell happened but essentially nothing got worked out uh except for the fact that henry cavill was great in mission impossible and that was a fantastic movie so yeah i mean at
0: least he he made out okay so so let me quickly talk about what that scene was replaced with now. Okay. So instead of having the ridiculous mustache and Superman being filmed by a cell phone saying things that don't matter in a Snyder cut, it was replaced by, uh, you see kind of the end of uh, Batman versus Superman where Superman gets killed by doomsday and you see Superman scream and this kind of echo, uh, goes all around the world. And, uh, you know, just as a DC fan, for me, that was so much better. I mean, the, the story just made way more sense. And I definitely was very glad they added that in there, in addition to removing the strange indie song that was playing in the theatrical cut, although I did like what was filmed in the theatrical cut, just not the movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree that that scene is a little bit better than what was in the theatrical cut. But honestly, I thought they were both bad. I thought that that was a terrible way to open the film. And it just sort of just, it just continued on. It it was basically this foreshadowing of like, okay, now we're going to have four hours of depression. And just this (laughs) like, really like, not fun movie is ahead of us because we killed Superman. He's not going to be in this movie. And, uh, spoiler alert, the movie's four hours long and you don't see Superman show up until three hours into it. So that was a big problem for me, but I will agree that it was, it was a better opening than the cell phone shot of Superman in the theatrical cut, but really anything would have been better than that.
0: Well, one thing I did like about the original, uh, I didn't like the music that was playing, but I did like that they showed, uh, I think it was Metropolis, and there was a, seemed to be a lot of crime going on because Superman is dead, and they know that they don't have anything to worry about anymore uh, as far as criminals don't have anything to worry about. So uh, I did like that. And, wow. and here's,
1: here's one aspect where I think about these things as a filmmaker. And there's this thing that really irritates me where I feel like a director is kind of insulting the intelligence of the audience. And one of the main problems that I have with the Snyder Cut kind of starts in the beginning here because you see superman dying with the you know the hole in his chest and all of this stuff and it's like okay we get it superman died in the last movie now we gotta see him like writhing around and screaming that to me just is not necessary now the theatrical cut tells the same thing but it doesn't have to show you superman being killed all over again it shows this kind of somber moment and these different um, things going on, as you mentioned, you see like all of these banners of like tributes to Superman and the uh, the crime going up and all of these things. To me, like that, having a more subtle way to things is is more interesting to me. It makes me more engaged rather than someone just like throwing stuff in my face like, look at this. This is what we're showing you now. I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, you don't need to be so explicit with these things. But that's kind of like, in a nutshell, how I feel about the 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 Zack Snyder cut of this film is he's just explaining too much. There's too much exposition. There's just he's telling me too many things with words. And I want to be more like engaged in what's
0: what's happening, if that makes sense. It is it is true that uh, at some points in the, in the Zack Snyder version, that he kind of draws things out a little too long. Uh, I mean, it is a long movie, but uh, th- there are some scenes that probably unnecessarily long.
1: Yeah, I mean, every 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 scene is is too long in his movie. <laughs> it's just. It's an exercise of just trying to cram everything that you possibly can into a movie, and a lot of which doesn't really belong there. The one thing that I'll say is that at least he has kind of a cohesive tone and feel and vision, which is very clear. The theatrical cut doesn't really have that because it's sort of this mesh between Snyder's work and Whedon's work and they're they're it's kind of the same story because it started out as the same screenplay but really the difference between these two movies is just the tone and the way that the characters are treated and it's completely different in these two two movies i mean i think i mentioned to you it's just like one of those things where like i recall one of the early scenes where batman shows up to kind of recruit aquaman And they meet for the first time, and the dialogue is kind of the same. The action is very similar, but the tone is just completely off uh, between the two cuts. And on one hand, you have, you know, Batman having this dialogue, and he seems like more like a little bit more like there's a sense of urgency, and this is really important. And then in the, in the, Zack Snyder cut you have something he says the exact same thing but it just seems like he doesn't care at all like what he's saying and there's just a way of like displaying these scenes in just a slightly different nuanced ways that just don't really work for me in Zack Snyder's cut.
0: In that one scene I I will agree that uh, the part where he talks to Aquaman in the beginning is a little bit too long in the Snyder cut um and I don't know if anybody else noticed, I'm sure lots of people did, but Aquaman actually reveals Batman's identity <laughs> when he's walk, when they're walking on the beach and uh, you hear him say, so you, so you do it dressed like a bat, right? And there's other people standing around. And then he goes, well, you're out of your mind, Bruce Wayne. Mm. So he just told everybody who Batman is, but I guess they didn't tell anybody else, so that's good. But there is also a part in the Snyder Cut during that film where... Somebody sings a song or something like like this little girl sings a song right after Aquaman.
1: Yeah, there's like there's like 10. There's like 10 girls that are singing this Icelandic song out of nowhere. And it's just that was pointless. It was just like one of those what the fuck moments. Like, what is he even doing here? And it's like every idea that Snyder had, like even if it's just some small little thing. It all made it into this movie. And that's, it's kind of a, he just kind of lacks discipline as a, as a director. And when you're a director, one of the most difficult things for you to do is to cut things down and to throw away some time, some of the things that you shot that you actually love dearly, but you know that if you get rid of it, it's actually going to make it a better film and a more focused film, Zack Snyder goes the opposite direction. And some of the things that he shows us on screen are interesting for what they are. To me, it's like, that's interesting, yes, but I also find it interesting watching like deleted scenes on a Blu-ray disc or something like that. It's always fun to see the stuff that was thrown away that didn't make it in the movie. But instead of just like showing that on a DVD, Snyder's just like, hey, we're just going to stick that back into the film, even if it's good or not. And there's just, there's no structure to it. And you can sort of see that in the way that it's edited as well. Like it's like, it's it's everything is like part one, part two, part three. And it's like, it's not the structure of a, of a typical movie. It's just broken up into like eight different parts. And it's like, okay, well, you're showing us like eight, 30-minute episodes of a TV series here, but it's not really a movie anymore.
0: In uh, in defense of the Snyder Cut, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this mostly from a... Like, we talked about this earlier. I'm looking at it from a story perspective, where I think you're looking at it more from a filmmaker perspective. I think the hardcore DC fans like me and like a lot of other people probably could have gone with an eight-hour version of this. Um, you know, we... After seeing the, the original, we just wanted more of just everything, more, you know, um, more explanation, more just more time to uh, to see the Justice League because we felt like they wasted it. I mean, the like the original was c- a complete waste. Um, and also, you know, I, f- I forgot to mention that this movie, uh, the Snyder Cut, was forced into existence by fans. Like me, like a lot of other people um, who, who said, What are you doing? You know, like g- give us what we actually wanted. And so, you know, I, I think, uh, yes, some things are dragged out, but I couldn't get enough. And I know I'm not the only one. I mean, I, I, at a certain
1: point, I could understand the need for wanting to see more. Um, and I do personally like long movies. When there's a purpose for it, though. I mean, there's plenty of three-hour movies out there that you can just watch no problem, and everything about it is necessary to the structure, to the story, to the development of the characters. But the problem with the Snyder Cut is that just adding all of this excess doesn't actually make it a better movie. And yes, you get a little bit more backstory of some of the characters, but... It's honestly, a lot of times it's backstory that I wish that I didn't have. I mean, like every one of these characters, like their backstory and their existence is just, it's all the same. They all have daddy issues. I mean, if you go down the line, it's like, okay, the flash, what's his backstory? Oh, he wants to make his dad proud and this and that. Okay, great. All right. Next we got cyborg. What's his issue? oh, he hates his daddy because his daddy brought him back to life and turned him into a cyborg and, and okay, great, he's got daddy issues. Okay, next. You know, it's like Aquaman. (laughs) What's the last thing he says in the the movie? Like, I'm going to go back and see my dad. I'm like, we didn't even hear anything about your dad in the movie. but We had to throw in that you have a daddy issue because everyone else does. You know, everyone else does. Yeah. And even at the even at the end, like, yeah, like Superman and Batman, they don't have daddies anymore. I mean, obviously, we know Batman's notorious daddy issues from his parents being killed. That's that's kind of cliche at this point. But even at the end, it's like, okay, well, we got Superman and Batman here together. And since we don't have any daddies, let's team up and like have mommy issues with Superman's mom. And it's just like. It's all like boring, just bullshit. You know, like yeah, we get lots more. We we get all of this stuff added in there, but is it stuff that like is actually that interesting or compelling? I would argue that it's not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I disagree. <laughs> but you knew that. Well, um. we'll, tell, well, well, tell me, tell me why? What's what's necessary in the Zack Snyder cut? I mean, apart from like just like seeing more of of everything, what what was it that made it a better film for you?
0: Oh boy, oh, that, I mean that's a long explanation. So for so for me, to summarize, it included the backstory and the current story that was completely missing from the original. Now I I knew it already, and I'm sure a lot of DC fans knew it already, but for everybody else. They probably had a lot of questions, you know, like where did Cyborg get the box from? Who is he? Why is he like that? You know, um can we see it? You know, how, how how did that happen? Darkseid wasn't even mentioned, I think. Or maybe he was mentioned by name in the original, but he's kind of a big deal. I mean, in the in the DC universe, he's he's the Thanos of DC. So, he's kind of, you know, probably a good idea to show him or at least let him talk or something. But no, the, the, it filled in all the story stuff that I needed. And I know the fans need it because we waited for that and they didn't give it to us.
1: Yeah, I okay? mean, tell me, tell me how the characters were just portrayed so much better by Zack Snyder.
0: Starting with Batman, I'm not saying that he was portrayed better. In fact, uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure the Ben Affleck version of Batman is the best portrayal. You know, Batman is Clearly a psychopath who goes around torturing people at night for information. Uh, he beats the crap out of them and usually lets them, leaves them hanging in upside down in front of the police station. So he has pretty serious psychological issues, but I'm not sure that's really been shown in Batman versus Superman or the Zack Snyder version. Uh, in fact, in fact, I will say that I think Batman looks kind of weak in both versions. He's not strong enough. He's not interesting enough, Um, Mm -hmm. not enough gadgets. So I don't think that, that the Snyder version, which is my preferred one, I don't think it really made him any better. Okay, so Batman overall,
1: I kind of agree with you in terms of just Ben Affleck and his portrayal of the Batman. I don't think that he's terrible. I don't think that he's great but there's definitely a difference between the Batman in the theatrical cut versus the Batman that Snyder showed us in Batman V Superman and in his Snyder cut. And that Batman is just a dude who doesn't want to be here. He's a dude that just doesn't care. He doesn't have any sense of urgency. He just, I just, I'm just like, why are you even here? And When I first saw that in Batman V Superman, I was, my first reaction was Affleck just doesn't want to be the Batman. You know, he just, he's clearly showing us that he's not interested in this role. But when I saw him in the theatrical cut, he's actually a little bit more interesting. Um, There's a scene at the very beginning of the film where we see him out in the night, like doing his thing and being the Batman and catching this criminal. And that, that scene is not in the Snyder cut at all, but it's like our one chance to actually see him doing the Batman thing, which is kind of interesting. And also the thing that I'm really missing in the Snyder cut is Batman actually has some really kind of witty banter between some of the other justice league characters. You know, we talked about his, his, uh, You know, meeting with Aquaman for the first time, but he's also got some interesting dialogue between him and Wonder Woman, this kind of playful. And then he's also got this like very comedic banter with The Flash, which are some of the best moments of the movie. And all of those things are just missing in the Snyder cut. And so. I also have this feeling like Batman really believes what he's doing and he's got this sense of urgency in getting this team together in the theatrical cut In the Snyder cut. Again, it just seems like he's just going like through the motions and he's just kind of just doing it just because he feels like he has to do it. And I'm just like, that's not interesting or compelling to me. And I agree with what you said that Batman just sort of seems like kind of a weak character overall. And that's because he's the guy who doesn't have any superpowers. But when you show like what he's actually capable of, which is he's the only guy who can actually get this group together, then that's, that's the important aspect that we see of Batman. And we see it in the theatrical cut. We don't see it in the Snyder cut, in my
0: opinion Okay, so I kind of do agree with you on some things about the theatrical cut in Batman. One of the things would be when uh, Superman wakes up and he sees Batman. So he goes over there and he's like, I know you. And then he picks Batman up. You won't let me live and you won't let me die. I think that was removed because I believe that was actually one of the mustache scenes... They had to do some effects over. It looked okay to me, but uh, I guess some people didn't like it. But it is, I mean, Superman was right. Uh, the last time he saw Batman, uh, Batman tr- tried to kill him, and he almost did kill him. Then an hour later, Superman's dead, and the next thing he knows, he wakes up again, and there's Batman again. So it's like, ever since he met Batman, he's causing all these problems. And just to add uh, on to that
1: scene, that's actually one of the, things that I like more about the Batman and the theatrical cut is it shows that he's actually directly involved in It's his plan to get Lois Lane over there to essentially calm down Superman. Batman understands that they aren't going to be able to stop him. And they know that there's a really good possibility that Superman's going to be pissed off and he's going to kill everyone. But, Batman is smart enough. He's the guy with the brain. He's smart enough to know that if he brings Lois Lane over there, that's like going to be the antidote to to Superman and he's right. Now in Snyder's cut, Lois Lane just happens to be there, you know, because she's like on her morning coffee walk over to the place and she just happens to be there and, oh, look, all the Justice League shows up at the same time. So good timing, I guess. I just thought that that was kind of lame and it was another thing that was taken away from Batman.
0: I I think what might have happened now didn't show this in either version. But so when Superman wakes up and he lands, then the rest of the Justice League shows up Batman isn't there yet, and obviously he's the slowest one, so maybe it took him a while to get there, but I I kind of thought that maybe on the way there, he talked to Lois Lane. Maybe well, that's why he got there last
1: Well, she was already there. Okay, so we've established her routine earlier in the film because what she does is she goes to the coffee shop and she gets two coffees. And then she walks to the memorial and she gives one of the coffees to the cop, right? And he's he, his dialogue establishes that this is like, this is her daily thing, right? And so she comes there every day with two coffees. So the time where Superman comes back to life, she just happens to be there With the coffees again because she's on her morning coffee thing and the cop says something to the effect of like oh you i didn't think you were coming today and then she says one more time or something like that and so it's already established that this is her routine is to be there so she just happens to be there now i like the fact that batman thought it through and was like we need lois lane here we're gonna be fucked." And that, to me, was a more compelling scene uh, in the theatrical
0: cut. No, you're probably right about that. Um, Batman is the guy with the plan. Everybody knows that. He's smarter than everybody else. He's always thinking ten steps ahead. So you are probably right about that. Yeah. Wonder Woman, I'm not sure that it really made her any better either. Um, I think most of what people wanted to see was an explanation of Cyborg and more Superman. So the Wonder Woman movie was one of the best ones, probably one of the best comic book movies ever. And you know, it it did show more of like the history of the the Amazons and how they fought uh, Steppenwolf and things like that, uh, which I thought was interesting. I'm sure it cost a lot of money to for all the effects, but uh, Wonder Woman was pretty much the same as she was in the, the original.
1: Wonder Woman, for the most part, is is pretty similar between the two cuts the there's a couple of things though that just kind of get on my nerves about the snyder cut and it really just comes down to how violent she is now the 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 opening scene where we see her like essentially like saving the children from the terrorists or whatever that ridiculous scene was that was kind of ridiculous in both movies it Didn't really even need to be there, uh, honestly. But we see her doing her action sequence where she saves the kids and she just like kind of like brutalizes all of these terrorists in the Snyder Cut. I mean, everything is just a little bit longer and you see these guys smashing into the walls and then (laughs) at the end of the scene... Where she does the thing where she like clangs her like bracelets together. Is what what's that called?
0: Uh it's I don't know what it's called, but it's her special moves that move that creates some kind of big explosion.
1: Yeah, so she does that. So so she's she's standing there with the with the the main like baddie and she's about to take him down, and all of the children are behind her, and she could just like easily just like run up and punch him in the face but she doesn't she just decides to clang her bracelets together and destroy half the building and send debris flying out over to dozens of cops that are out on the street and just fucks them all up and then the worst part is that after that's all over then she has to go like over to the girls with the cheesy line about oh, you can be anything that you want to be in life or I whatever. I agree, that fu- part was stupid. Yeah. Whatever that was, <laughs> it was just like, oh my God, am I actually seeing this right now?
0: Yeah, so that, that was like was pretty lame. That
1: was like my first like introduction to Wonder Woman in this movie. Now, f- most of the film, she's just kind of the same. But like I mentioned with the Batman thing, I, I did sort of miss... Some of their banter together. There is the little cute scene where like they both grab for the mouse and then their hands touch and it's cute. We don't get any of that in Snyder's cut, do we? No, there's none of that. No, None of that. And then Um, one last thing about Wonder Woman is like she should not be the person that's like like cutting off Steppenwolf's head. I mean, that's not
0: something Wonder Woman would do. Okay. well, I, I have to disagree with that. Now, like I said in the beginning, I read the comics. I've seen all the animated movies, everything. And for a lot of people that do, we know her as uh, Wonder Woman is in fact a violent person. Uh, she kills lots of things, whether it's uh, people or aliens or whatever. Uh, and in fact, she has cut off many heads. And I, and I think her, her, the rest of the people on her island, That's kind of a standard practice for them when fighting enemies. Um, So so she is a violent person. However, in the Wonder Woman movie, she wasn't really like that. And so, yeah, maybe she should have stayed not so violent in this. Right.
1: And the thing is, is like we can we can talk about all of the things that have happened in the past in the comic books. And that's fine. But really what we're discussing is her character within the realm of the cinematic universe. And sure, there's, you know, there's endless multiverses where there's different versions of these characters doing different things and all of that. But to me, like the person that she is in these films, those, those particular acts just went against who I saw as her character. You know what I mean? And it's, it's sure she is more violent than, say, like Batman, who just, you know, refuses to kill people or whatever his deal is, even though he kills a lot of monsters in this movie. They're monsters, so I guess they don't count. But um, with Wonder Woman, it's just like when I saw that, I was just like, you know, I'm not like shocked or anything by seeing someone's head cut off. But it was just sort of like a really weird moment. You know, you see. Aquaman stabbing him through the back with the pitchfork, which was like my first reaction to that was like, oh, all of a sudden the pitchfork works. All of a sudden it (laughs) does something. And then he just like picks him up and then, you know, Diana cuts his head off. And I was just like, this is just like, I don't know. There's just something weird about that moment to me. It just didn't really work. And And that was my reaction was like, I just don't see Wonder Woman
0: like reacting this way you know. And there we have the difference between the original and the new one where the new one, like I said, was forced into existence by the DC fans. And if if that's what happened, that is what DC fans would have wanted to see. Is a more violent Wonder Woman even though standard Hollywood probably did not want to see that.
1: I mean, and that's that's fine. That's just my take on it, but um again those is just things that just sort of initially like gut reaction of of
0: of that aquaman uh kind of the same thing again aquaman his movie in my opinion one of the best comic book movies out there he kind of seems like a surfer dude almost in both versions but he he had a little bit he had a better fight with steppenwolf in the snyder version i thought because i thought the original one was pretty lame
1: Aquaman, I mean, apart from him like stabbing someone through the back with his 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 magic trident. Um I don't really care about that. That's fine. It was just a little like it was like I said, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, yeah, he's stabbed a few of these like flying creatures with the trident, but like it just seems kind of like a, a useless weapon to begin with, but uh, yeah, I mean overall, Aquaman was Aquaman. He was the same guy as he was in the in his solo movie. You know, he's a charming dude. He's got a nice sense of humor. As you mentioned, he's kind of like got that surfer dude attitude, like I live in the ocean and that's all that matters sort of thing. And um, there's that one shot which is kind of fun where he uh, he he. He stabs the flying creature in the middle of the air, and then he sort of rides him down into the ground. Yeah, like a surfboard. Yeah. So that was a good shot. I think that made it into both cuts. Um, so yeah, that, did. So that must have been a, a Snyder thing. I'll give him props for that. Yeah, I mean, apart from that, like, Aquaman was Aquaman.
0: Uh, the, Flash, the Flash is the comic relief for, for both versions. Um, now, in the Snyder version, we get to see him go through time. Which oh two things two things so 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 first of all when he fights Superman which was one of the best things I've ever seen is when uh, the flash is running around Superman trying to go around him and so you see Superman's eyes look at him which implies that he is just as fast which he isn't but almost he's almost as fast as the flash I thought that was great in both versions but the fight was was uh, longer in the Snyder version between those two. And I I thought the fight overall between Superman and the Justice League and the rest of the Justice League was so much better than the original. Um, now, the second part, The Flash running through time uh, to, to save everybody in the end was super interesting. And I, I really hope that that has something to do with The Flash movie that's coming out later. I think it was important to show that he can do that, which it, it seems like he did know. He he knew he could do that somehow. That wasn't really explained, but he can do that, and I don't think Superman can.
1: That was awesome to see. Now, the Flash is one of those characters where I I was kind of split on because, as you mentioned, you see some of the some of these things where uh, which are actually quite interesting with him. Uh, manipulating time but I also hated the way that it was displayed and the way that it was actually done and I found it to be interesting in like concept but then when you actually see it happening on screen it's just like the most boring thing ever because instead of it like showing things in real time or in like fast time you see it in this just ultra 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 slow motion that just makes you just want to just leave and i just found it incredibly difficult to watch not only in the time manipulation scenes but in particular the scene where the flash goes to get a job at the at the dog pet shop whatever it is and he saves the girl from the, the the bus crash and that whole scene, which could have taken, you know, 30 seconds to show like, seems like it takes like 10 minutes because it's just, it just takes forever in this slowest motion,
0: like possible. Huh. All, right, all, right, all, right, all right. All right. So, okay. Let, let me, let me, here's my rebuttal to that now. Okay. So not much of the flash, was known or shown in the original version. I'm sure a lot of people watch the TV show, The Flash, so they know kind of what the character's capable of. Um, But I think, I think, the scene where he gets the the job at the dog store was possibly created to show uh, how his powers work when he's moving fast. So let me explain that. So when he's going super fast, like, there's stuff flying in the air. I think one of them was a hot dog or something. So he all he has to do is touch the hot dog, and then when time becomes normal again, it'll go flying, like, super fast in another direction. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have wondered, well, yeah, he runs fast, but what else does he do? I mean, if he punches somebody in the face, is it going to hurt? You know, what, what good is he, when you got people like Aquaman and Superman, what's he going to do? And uh, showed that... His power, the strength, is generated by the speed. Now, did the scene take too long? Yeah, probably. Uh, it unnecessarily introduced Iris West, his girlfriend, who's in the, the TV show. Probably be in the in the movie too, the Flash movie. I don't know. But it, it was kind of interesting to me. But yeah, you're right. It, it did kind of take too long. And I, did, I didn't like the fact that his shoes disintegrated.
1: Yeah, and like running. I said, some of these some of these things are actually interesting concepts. I mean, I I find the Flash a very interesting character, but I just feel like the execution was off. And the thing is is I can't let him have a pass for this stuff when it's like, yeah, I I want to like hear more about the Flash, but I want you to show me in an interesting way. You know, and it, when it just it's boring or if it's not interesting that I don't really care about the back backstory, just cut it out and it will be fine without it. And honestly, like as much as I would like more backstory about the Flash and the theatrical cut, I was never confused by the character. I never actually needed any more than what was shown in that film. And If I did and I walked away confused, like, well, I don't I don't understand the flash, like what's going on, then I would have considered that as to be kind of a problem. But as much as I would like something, we have to like separate like what's, you know, again, what's just pure entertainment and what's necessary for something to be a successful film. And again, going back, I don't necessarily think that the theatrical cut was a successful film, but I'm just using this as an example to say that just because you add something more to a scene or more to a character doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be more successful. In the case of The Flash, like, this is just one of those examples where I just found it to be more boring. I'm just like, you know, I don't care about any of this stuff that's going on right now. Just like, just just get me out of this scene. And to touch on some additional things with the Flash, as you mentioned earlier, he's he's the comic relief, right? Like everything is dire. The world is about to end. If we don't get these mother boxes back from, or keep uh, Steppenwolf from getting the mother boxes, he's going to destroy the world. So it's dire situations. Let's get the Flash in here to make some jokes, right? Okay, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about how you can have a character say some lines and have it be complete, have a completely different feel to it with the two different movies. And one example of this is when Batman and The Flash meet each other for the first time. And this scene is where Barry Allen, The Flash, comes to his, like, warehouse where he's got, like, this, like, room full of, like, technology shit he's got screens everywhere you know something's important if there's screens everywhere okay there's monitors and just random stuff on those monitors that looks important you know that he's doing some serious business here okay so he comes into this place where is like his workspace his laboratory whatever he's doing there and batman bruce wayne is just sitting in the chair waiting for him in the dark Okay, so they have this scene in the theatrical cut, it's actually kind of interesting, and there's some like witty banter, and there's some jokes, and it's kind of funny, and it's got this like, then the music is just, you know, the Danny Elfman music in the background, so it's kind of just got this like lighthearted feel to it, but in the Snyder cut, the, the scene is almost identical in the way that it's cut, in the way that it's like played out, but with a combination of the music score from junkie XL and some other things, it just feels like it's a completely different scene and the jokes just don't land at all. And this is sort of how it happens throughout the entire movie with the Snyder cut, Barry Allen slash the flash is making these jokes throughout the entire movie and none of them really land And it's just this just tonal miss where we're no longer in this mode of like, oh, we're like having this comic relief here. It's just everything seems dire all the time. We're in this complete depression and nothing that nothing that the Flash jokes about is going to get us out of
0: that. So let me ask you this. So because I here's one thing I noticed about that scene where where. Batman goes into the Flash's lair mm-hmm. and he's got all these screens in the theatrical cut on those screens there was some kind of like weird Japanese cartoon playing or something there was like people dancing around it was just all crazy stuff mm-hmm. and then in the Snyder cut it was just a skull that was like rotating around or something uh-huh. what why do you think they changed that I I couldn't think of a reason why because it was probably too funny
1: and <laughs> Zack Snyder has no sense of humor, no comedic timing, and even though he, he clearly worked on these, these lines, you know, with Chris Terrio, who, who, was, who wrote the screenplay, Zack Snyder was there and, you know, probably wrote a lot of the dialogue or at least, like, was on board with this dialogue, Right. And so, that's why you see the same exact lines in both of these movies. So, Snyder is trying to, to, to make these jokes, but he just doesn't understand the way that comedy works. And so, comedy is all timing. It's all mood. It's all like, you know, it's nuance. And that's the difference between these scenes, you know? I mean, there's no other way to explain it. It's just that The Flash is not funny at all in Snyder's cut and in the theatrical cut he's actually quite funny there's some really funny moments i mean there's a couple of times where like i actually laughed out loud i mean one of them was the scene where he saves wonder woman by pushing her out of the way and then he's we see him kind of like on top of her for like just a fraction of a second before he just like gets off of her and it's just a really funny moment that scene's gone from the Snyder cut.
0: Uh now Cyborg would be the Cyborg benefited the most from the Snyder cut. Not only do you see how he was made, uh you see him before he was made and you see him get into a lot more combat, you kind of see what his capabilities are, which none of that was shown in the original. Cyborg was a
1: pretty interesting character overall. I thought The Snyder cut definitely had more backstory. And I think that it's kind of universally accepted that he was the character that really benefited the most with this cut. However, I thought a lot of it was just kind of unnecessary. I know you mentioned uh, something about how it was, you know, we needed to see like where the mother box came from and why, Cyborg had it and sort of the relationship between him and his father was important. But a lot of what we saw of Cyborg was him actually doing what I call the talking man trope, which is Cyborg narrates a lot of, a lot of things. I mean, he talks a lot and tells everyone what's going on and We see it happening on screen while he's talking about it. And I just feel like that's kind of unnecessary. Okay, you're already showing us what it is. You don't need to tell us, you know, and this is this kind of goes back to one of the things that I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast that I just really don't like is like, you don't need to beat people over the head with these things. Like we get it, you know, your audience is is intelligent we're smart people don't think that the audience is dumb and that you have to explain every little last thing to them because they will understand and cyborg just does a lot of narration in this and i just don't think that it's that necessary i also don't really like the way that his dad died in this cut on the theatrical cut dad doesn't die snyder cut dad dies um, of course, this helps to perpetuate the daddy issues that he has, because now daddy's dead and now he can worry about that for the rest of his life. It just wasn't really necessary and it didn't make any sense the way that he dies. And what what happens is his dad is in this like glass room with the mother box and some laser. He points the laser at the mother box and... Initially, it looks like he's going to destroy the mother box with a laser. But then, of course, everyone who sees it happen, they realize, oh, well, he was actually really smart because he superheated it. So when Steppenwolf gets the mother box, it's just going to go boom or something along those lines. Right. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. So my problem with that is like so I think his name is Silas. This is. Um, cyborg's dad. dad he's got yeah. this remote control in his hand and he's like shooting the mother box with the laser and then what happens is uh, the laser bounces around in there and he just gets totally dead he like turns it right, he gets, yeah, he gets totally like <laughs> turned into like just a million pieces and it's kind of gory you know you see a skeleton and all this stuff it's um, yeah. pretty detailed Okay, so my problem is, is like, okay, he's got this remote in his hand. Why didn't he just do that outside of the glass box where he wouldn't die? You know, it just <laughs> makes no sense to me why he died, you know?
0: That, I, that makes sense, yeah.
1: But they had to yeah. kill him somehow because <laughs> Snyder was like, we got to give Cyborg more daddy issues. He doesn't have enough daddy issues, you know? His dad saved his life, you know? So Cyborg, before he was Cyborg, I don't even know what his real name is. Do you? Uh, Victor, okay, Stone. Victor Stone. Victor and Victor's mom are in a car and they get into this accident and his mom dies and Victor is just like on the verge of death. He's just on all the, the, all the machines at the hospital are keeping him alive. And so his dad swears that he's not going to let him die. And so Silas uses the mother box to restore uh, Victor and essentially gives him, like, his cyborg body, right? Is that right. about right? Right. Okay. Yes. Okay, so so Victor is now a cyborg because Daddy saved his life and made him a cyborg, but Victor is, for some reason, all pissed off at his dad the whole time, like, why'd you make me a cyborg? <laughs> And it's like, his dad's just like, well, you would have died if I didn't do that. But, you know, we've got to have this like weird dynamic between like, like, I mean, I would be like, hey, this is fucking awesome. I'm a cyborg. I can do all <laughs> these things. This is way yeah. better than that frail human form that I had just like two days ago, you know? Exactly. I like, should have
0: done the rest of the body. Right,
1: but that's what it that's what I mean. It like doesn't make sense to me, like why he's so pissed off at his dad, like. Like, I don't know. So he's already pissed off at his dad over this whole thing of being turned into a cyborg that now Snyder's like, well, he doesn't have enough daddy issues, though. So let's kill him off so that he can just like suffer forever. Like like being like guiltful and all of these things have all these feelings about his dad. So anyway. So, yeah, you get more backstory of cyborg and a little bit more about like like the explanation
0: of the box which the most important thing the most important thing is that so in, in the original cyborg people are asking like so where's the third box because you gotta you gotta have three of them to destroy the world so so the justice league is wondering where's who has the third box cyborg lands you got a suitcase with the third box because apparently it needs a carrying case and uh, there's no explanation at all. He just there he is with the with the box robot guy with the box. And, and I, I think also um, the benefit of of uh, showing all this stuff in the Snyder version for Cyborg is that I I bet a lot of people who saw the original said, okay, he's a metal guy with a red eye and he flies. That's it. And then in the what he can actually do is like, he's the master of technology. Like, there's a part of the Snyder Cut where after, you know, his dad dies and they realize, oh, he superheated the box so uh, we could track it, which his dad could have told him that or wrote it Mm -hmm. down or something, but he didn't. Anyway, and then Batman goes, well, well, I can track that because I have six satellites. Well, if you have Cyborg, you don't need Batman and his technology cyborg can literally do all the technology stuff batman can do and way more and so i i thought it was good to show what he can do i mean it's interesting
1: stuff i mean it's you know i understand your point but also none of that was really necessary you know it's all interesting but it's not necessary and also not yet and also like you know to your point like yeah now that we know that Cyborg can do all these great things, Batman is rendered useless. Like, okay, let's just cut off Batman's balls again. You know, like <laughs> Batman is totally useless. Just let's make him even more useless. Let's make Batman the most interesting character in all of the DC comics. Let's just make him totally useless so that we can give this Cyborg guy that nobody gives a fuck about some extra backstory and whatever, you know? I mean, it's just, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, like these movies should be made to service Superman and Batman. These are the characters that really matter and everyone else should be kind of like, the sideshow you know i understand what snyder's trying to do and like bring importance to all of these characters so that they're sort of equal but the problem is is they're not equal like these people aren't aren't equal to superman and we see that in the end where like 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 you said like they couldn't have won if it if superman didn't just show up to save the day you know it kind of shows you like like how useless they could be but where they are effective as a, as a team doing all of these different things, you know, Batman, like, is like the team leader and he gets the team together and he has, he's the idea man and all of these things. He
0: tells people what to right. do.
1: Yeah. You need that, you know, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's good to have some of this backstory for some of these characters, but Cyborg, like, I mean, come on, we're never going to care about Cyborg like we care about Batman or Superman or even Wonder Woman for that matter. I mean, it's just... I don't care.
0: Had had there been a Justice League two and three, which there may be, I think, I think you would have cared.
1: Well, sure. And give me a cyborg movie. I would watch that movie. You know. Yeah. But the problem is, is like this is a this is a a, a movie where they should have already had like these solo films, and this is one of the reasons why avengers was so successful right everyone on the avengers had their had their movie iron man had his movie captain america had his movie etc etc all these people essentially all of the important characters had their movie and so by the time that you brought them together everyone's like oh we already know these characters okay great let's let's just brush aside like all of this like exposition and these origin stories and now we can just have them, like, see them doing their best work. But yeah. because we didn't have that, now we have the theatrical cut of Justice League where, to your point, everyone is just like, who the fuck are these characters? I don't know. Cyborg? Like, why why aren't they telling me anything about Cyborg? Cyborg should have yeah. had his own movie so that we didn't need to see all of this backstory and stuff. All we, all we yeah. want to see is Batman getting the gang together and going to whoop some ass? You know, that's, <laughs> that's what this
0: that's, you're exactly. That's what right, this yeah. movie
1: should be, right? <laughs> this is the Justice League. Mm-hmm. This isn't like like Cyborg's origin story, like that doesn't belong in this movie as much as that's interesting and that could be its own movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything yeah. was just too long because we had to stop at every point along the way and say, oh, well, wait a minute we have to stop and we got to tell this story so that everyone knows what's going on. And it, that's just boring. It just, there's no me- there's no momentum to the movie. And that's something that the, for as bad as the theatrical cut was, that's something that it had, it had momentum. It had drive to it. It Like you were able to just keep watching what the next thing was because, you know, they, they just cut out all of the Ness, nece- the unnecessary stuff. and, mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel about Cyborg. You know, I'm not trying to shit on Cyborg, but at the same time like I don't need to see all of this this origin story from Cyborg for it to be a good movie for me, you know? I mean yeah. maybe I maybe they could have expanded on a little bit more the explanation of like, you know, like I I do know that they they explain uh his sort of origin and his creation by his Father Silas using the Mother Box to to create him, but they but that wasn't like super explicit, you know. They could have expanded on yeah. that
0: part a little bit more. No, you're right. He he should have had his own movie, and I think the Flash. Well, the Flash should have been shown more before the Justice League, um but I think we'll see why he wasn't in the next one. Uh, in, I mean, in his solo. Movie.
1: Yeah, I mean that was a um, that was pretty egregious not having a Flash movie, you know. I mean, I know that there's been, that's like one of those things that's been in like development hell for years and years and years. Like they've been trying to get a Flash movie off the ground. And, you know, now, as we all know, that there is going to be one with Ezra Miller. Uh, But it should have been, you know, it's a little too late. Honestly, it should have been five years ago. You know, I would have I would have rather seen a Flash movie over an Aquaman movie, you know, and obviously that's like a decision that these executives make where, you know, they think that they were they want to make a movie that's going to make money. And clearly they thought that more people were going to throw down their dollars to see an Aquaman movie over a Flash movie. But to me personally, the Flash is a much more interesting character.
0: The reason that that I think the Flash is coming out later is because the Flash has the ability to re to do like a what they're calling a soft reboot of the whole DC universe. Um that's one of his powers actually. And so I think that's why they waited but still at the same time I do agree we should have seen more of him somewhere, you know. Hopefully not in Suicide I mean he was in Suicide Squad for like 10 seconds but that movie belongs in the toilet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can't say for certain why they didn't have a Flash movie yet. I mean, I hope you're right that they really take advantage of that and um, just set some of the things right. I mean, I know you disagree with this, but I I know that you feel like the Snyder Cut set things right with the Justice League. But really, when it comes down to it, both of these movies are, are bad movies.
0: I don't... L- let me correct that. I I don't feel like it... Like it made it a great movie. Now, what I, what I will give Zack Snyder credit for is in my opinion, he took something out of the garbage can and gave the fans what we wanted to see. Not all of it, but something because we needed something. We didn't get anything in the, in the first one. And for, for those that are not huge DC fans, you know, it, they might not understand what that's like. It's just like if, you know, a a new Star Wars movie comes out and it sucks, all the Star Wars super fans are going to be like, you know, it affects their lives almost, you know? Mm -hmm. And for, for there are those DC people that feel the same way about these movies. So I don't think it, I don't think it fixed everything. I just think it's, it satisfied us to the point where now we're like, okay, I can live with that. What's next?
1: I mean, Let's be clear about this. It isn't as if Zack Snyder just completely, like, saved this movie from the trash heap because, I mean, it was essentially all the things that he had already shot. And I believe that when uh, Warner Brothers authorized this this director's cut to be made, um, they basically told him, you're... We're not going to give you any money to reshoot anything. We'll give you money for finishing your your visual effects. And as you mentioned, uh, the you th- you thought that the Steppenwolf VFX were a lot better. Um, I'll I'll give you my opinion on that in a second. But essentially, Warner Brothers gave him money for that to finish the post production and editing, and that came to roughly about seventy plus million dollars for that, and then they spent about $30 million on marketing. So they put an additional $100 million into this movie without ever authorizing any additional shooting. Now, from what I read, there was a Rolling Stone article that kind of broke the news on this, but there was a lot of shady stuff going on um, that Snyder was apparently doing um, that was off the record that Warner Brothers didn't really know about. And one of those things was shooting scenes in his own backyard. And uh, I believe there were two scenes that were shot in his backyard that were not authorized by Warner Brothers. But apart from that, he didn't reshoot anything. So in other words, he took all the footage that already existed from his original cuts and made a movie out of that. And Mm -hmm. so that's why you see, like, so much of this stuff that's, like, the same stuff that's in the uh, so-called Joss Whedon cut in Zack Snyder's cut. You know, it's because it was the same stuff that he shot. I mean, apart from, like, Whedon coming in and doing some reshoots and adding to that, I mean, it was largely the same. I mean, I'll say when I saw the the Snyder cut for the first time, I was actually quite shocked about how much footage was actually reused from the theatrical cut. Like, you know, I didn't know as much about about it um, as you did. And um, as I know now, of course, but at the time that I saw it last year when it was released, it was kind of a little bit shocking to me, like how similar they actually were. Because apart from, like, expanding a lot of the, these things, um, it wasn't largely a different plot. You know, the story was essentially the same. You know, there's some additional characters added here and there and expanded storylines and whatnot. But overall, you know, it it was developed, the, both these movies came from the same script. And so... Um, When you think about it in that regards, it it actually kind of makes sense. But um, at the time when I saw it, I thought that it was going to be just like a completely different movie. And, you know, some people yourself included might argue differently about that, but to me, they were, it's essentially the
0: same story. Steppenwolf looks way better in the Snyder cut. In the first one, he just looked like a big Smurf wearing a ridiculous hat. And it, I don't know. His voice was stupid. His face was stupid. And he had a weak axe. Like that was his weapon. I just thought he was, it was just totally ridiculous. In the, in the Snyder cut, he had better armor, more interesting armor. He gets to talk to Darkseid, which is his boss and not this mystery. You know, he's not talking to a box calling it mother, which was ridiculous. Um, he just seemed way more powerful in the Snyder version. Couple of issues that I had with with Steppenwolf.
1: Uh, I'll start with my problems with with him with the theatrical cut. And overall, I know that people are going to have their own uh, opinions on his design. Uh, I didn't personally have any problem with the design and the theatrical cut. The the problems that I had was the execution of the VFX. For a movie of this budget, and especially comparing it to its contemporaries, which were, again, like the Avengers movies and some of the other stuff like that, the, the VFX just looked very poor. In some cases, in some of the wide shots of Steppenwolf, he just looked like a video game character. Uh, some of the close-ups of his face were a bit better um, and looked okay in some cases, but you know beyond that, if we're going to discuss the the his actual aesthetic. That's going to be a more subjective uh, matter. Now, comparing him to what he looked like in Zack Snyder's cut, he's quite a bit different. I mean, for one thing he's just a larger character overall. He just appears more menacing. But the main problem that i had was just his really distracting looking transformer armor. I don't really know how else to explain it, but it's just like a million spiky little things and for no reason at all, they're just kind of like alive and moving around across his like skin and just reacting to his his temper or whatever and just to me it just looks kind of cheesy and i don't get it i don't understand like what they're trying to achieve with this it's very distracting to me it looks like a transformer it's very shiny it's very like chrome um not unlike some of like the transformers movies from 10 years earlier It just the the vfx i just didn't understand like I, i i I get that he wanted, or Snyder wanted, Steppenwolf to be more menacing, but I don't really think the armor worked. And to touch on what you were talking about earlier about how Darkseid was a character that did not exist at all, essentially, in the theatrical cut, and he was more of a presence in Snyder's cut, I would argue that that doesn't actually help the film. Uh, Darkseid was an interesting character. I think that they did him, uh, did a a good job with just the, the visual effects looked really good and he seemed like he was an interesting character. But again, like I feel like he was underdeveloped and we're just adding more onto this like pile of things that we already have to deal with with this movie. And so I can understand why the idea of him was cut out of the theatrical cut. The other thing that I don't like is like, now Snyder has made Steppenwolf look more menacing, but he's actually kind of a pussy because all he's doing is sniveling and grovelling to his master dark side, and it's almost as if now we already know that the Justice League characters all have their daddy issues, and now we got to see more daddy issues from Steppenwolf because. Even though Darkseid isn't his literal daddy, he certainly acts like he is because all he cares about is like getting back on his good graces and, you know, how like he can just be a better person for Darkseid and do his bidding and all of these things. But every time that you see a close up of Steppenwolf's eyes or his face, he just looks like he's afraid there's this fear behind his eyes that just is not, it sort of takes away what you're, what you're trying to achieve with this like more menacing look of the, you know, the bigger character, the more, the spiky armor, the bigger acts, all of these things are just sort of diminished by the way that he's actually acting. And we know because we see on screen that like, he's basically just a peon compared to dark side. And so, we don't really even need him anymore. Like why is he even here? And so you have this like question about like okay, well who's supposed to be the villain? And I don't think that dark side is developed enough. He's just sort of this looming character in the background. I mean, you compare him to Thanos, but the thing is is like Thanos was always there as like the villain, you know. Yes. And when he and when he did have like some like underlings that were like taking care of business and doing his bidding and all this stuff. You just don't see them on screen very, very much. You know, you see them here and there when they're like necessary, but like we see Steppenwolf is like the main villain, but then it's like, Oh, well actually he's not. And it's like, okay, well
0: what are we even doing here? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Steppenwolf, um, obviously works for dark side. Um, in the, in the original, Justice League. It kind of seemed like he didn't really bring him up that much. Like he he was just talking about mother. I I, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. I, so in the in the Snyder cut, yeah, he does bring up Darkseid a lot. And I I think the reason that he was shown in the Snyder cut so much is because Darkseid would have been major major villain in part two and three, which we never got. So yeah, they did they did kind of leave the fans hanging by showing us Darkseid and then not giving us any more. But like I said, I mean, at least the fans got something because we, as a DC fan, nobody cares about Steppenwolf. Everybody knows that Darkseid is the one you have to worry about. Right, but don't you also have to build up to that? I mean, do
1: you really want to have like, uh, you know, the quote unquote Thanos in in the first Avengers film? You know, you wouldn't do that. You would make two or three films. And then it's like when you're ready to like complete the series, then you throw in Thanos. You know what I mean? This is like the first film. It would have made sense to have Steppenwolf or some other like lower level character or something like that be the villain. And then you build up to them eventually, you know, fighting the most powerful characters. You know, that that's that's what it doesn't. That's where it doesn't really make sense to me, even though Steppenwolf, I would agree, should be a much less powerful character than um, Darkseid. But at the same time, he was still powerful enough to basically destroy all of the Justice League apart from Superman. You know, if Superman hadn't showed up, Steppenwolf would have kicked their asses. You know, he was. He was. Uh, and Darkseid wasn't there. He didn't need Darkseid to to help him out with that. No. No.
0: Uh, Steppenwolf, I believe, is sent in advance to see if the planet has whatever it is that he's looking for, which is the anti-life equation. So when uh, one, one of the things that Steppenwolf actually says when he talks to Darkseid is, uh, well, there's no lanterns and there's no Kryptonians, which means that basically steppenwolf has nothing to worry about so he can handle it all by himself unfortunately for him superman wakes up and that's it for him
1: like i said i just think that steppenwolf was enough to deal with the justice league apart from superman and if superman wasn't dead for half the movie then you know you wouldn't really have this villain (laughs) there to begin with it would have been really short yeah, they probably would have started out with him fighting Dark Side or someone else, you know. Yeah. But yeah, this is just the way that they decided that the story was going to go, and largely, it again, it's largely the same story. It's just a matter of now we've got like this other character dar- in Dark Side to deal with, and it's just it's too convoluted. It's too much to throw into one movie, you
0: know. Last but not least, Superman. Okay, he was dead in both versions up until a certain point. Um, when the rest of the Justice League is is in the Batcave, standing around explaining how they're going to bring him back, I actually got kind of goosebumps when it showed his little hologram that Cyborg creates for everybody to see. Um, that was awesome. And then every DC fan in the world, all of them, I guarantee it, Appreciates the fact that he came back in the black suit because that's what happens in the death of Superman comic, which every DC fan has memorized and read a thousand times. Even people who don't read the comics probably know about the death of Superman comic. Superman wasn't his attitude didn't change. You know, he was pretty much the same guy in both, both versions, but uh, I mean, uh, Superman overall coming back and saving the day uh, because I think the rest of them would have lost that fight to Steppenwolf for me was a big deal. And now, as we all know, we're going to get more Superman. I am really looking forward to that. Now, what do you think? So
1: Superman is really the only thing that matters. And it's kind of difficult because... This has sort of been my entire problem with the Justice League in general. Uh, beyond the movies, just, it's always like this thing where it's like, okay, well, you got Superman, so why the hell do you need all of these other fools, you know? And, of course, you know, you always see, like, everyone making their contribution, whether it's Batman or Wonder Woman, etc. But you always have to understand that it's like, Superman is the showstopper and everyone else just sort of takes a back seat because he's fucking Superman, you know? And yeah. so what do you do with a Justice League movie where you don't have Superman? And that's a, I think that that's a flaw in the script to begin with. You know, I don't think that I just don't think that they they that this was a successful script and it's a problem in the theatrical cut. And it's a problem with the Snyder cut. And it's more of a problem than the Snyder cut because you get less Superman. And the, and if you look at it this way, the theatrical cut, you know, you see the stupid scene at the beginning with Superman, which is totally ridiculous, you know, cut that shit out, get rid of it. Um, but we start out with, like, this somber moment of, like, Superman is gone. What are we going to do sort of thing? So it establishes, like, how important Superman is, right? Right. He is the most important character. Without Superman, we're fucked, okay? Now, you get the whole, like, Batman building the team and putting everything together and... Coming up with, they come up with the idea to like bring Superman back to life using the mother box. And that happens right around the midpoint of the movie in the Mm -hmm. theatrical cut. So you go about an hour without Superman. And then the whole movie is a two hour movie. So you get half the movie with no Superman. You get half the movie with Superman. Now, when he comes back, you do get that that great fight scene between him and the, and all of the Justice League. I do agree with you that I like the longer fight scene in the Snyder cut. But again, I like I'm not going to argue that that was necessary for the film. It's interesting. But again, in the same way that it's interesting to see like deleted scenes and shit like that. It's just more of like it's more eye candy. But I don't think that it was
0: necessary. Want Can say I say something? say something about the fight? So fight for me was the best part. There's always been a lot of questions uh, about, you know, who's the most powerful? How would would people stop Superman if he was angry for some reason? Is he faster than the Flash? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of those questions were kind of answered here. Uh, You know, we've determined that Cyborg really doesn't stand a chance against him. Uh, the, The Flash can run away from him but he can't really do anything to him uh now wonder woman which is also uh the same in the animated movies wonder woman can uh hurt superman pretty bad i don't know if she could defeat him but she's capable of hurting him pretty bad one thing i thought that was interesting was when so uh she goes we need to restrain him and then aquaman jumps and then superman punches him in the stomach in the theatrical cut and you don't see Aquaman come back for like five minutes. So I don't know where he went or what he was doing, but he didn't come back. And then in the, in the Snyder cut, he does come back, but unfortunately for him, the flash runs into him and they both get knocked out. But I, I was wondering where did Aquaman go? Like, is he, is he knocked out? Cause he couldn't take the punch. Yeah. Or, he was uh, just
1: totally useless. He was out <laughs> yeah. of commission he was, out he commission. was taking a, he was taking a nap exactly but wow. uh yeah so that was a, that was a good a good scene overall and as i mentioned earlier i i thought it was great when batman was smart enough to bring lois lane out there to essentially calm him down and then uh you know superman and lois fly away and uh everyone survives because of batman's intellect you know, just the one thing that he has to contribute to this team is he's a smart guy. Yeah. And uh, so I, I didn't really see a whole lot of difference between the two cuts when Superman first shows up, with the exception of that one line that you mentioned earlier, which is where he look he picks up Batman, and he looks at him, he says, you won't let me live, you won't let me die. And that was a very human moment where we see that okay up to that point it looked like superman was just a robot he was just a machine he didn't know what was happening you know he was brought back to life but he wasn't really himself you know and it was that moment with the exchange between him and batman where we see well actually he's like he's kind of got his wits still with him Cause he knows who Batman is, you know, he doesn't just like say nothing and just continue his robot existence. Now you mentioned how all the fans wanted him to have the black Batman suit. I mean, the black Superman suit. And a mullet,
0: which we didn't get, but that's okay.
1: Oh, no mullet. No mullet. Sorry. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, I was kind of indifferent about it one way or the other, uh, I didn't really see it as a flaw that he was missing the black Superman suit, but I can understand why they left that out or why they didn't put in the theatrical cut, because I think that the, a general audience probably would have been kind of confused by that. Yeah. But at the same time, I also understand why Snyder added it in there and I don't have a problem with it. The, the, the main problem that I have, though, is that Superman just doesn't really act like Superman in Snyder's cut. He's just very cold and calculated. Um, he doesn't have that charm to him that he no- that he should have. Like you know, uh, like he makes some jokes in the in the theatrical cut. He says stuff like, "Is this guy bothering you?" slow poke you know he kind of jokes around a little bit like he's superman you know he's got this like persona that's like bigger than life and in the snyder cut he just continues to be like depressed and like more more like a robot than the superman that that we deserve you know and then in addition to that just the way that we see him on screen We don't see him until three quarters of the way through the movie. Okay? So in the theatrical cut, you got to wait an hour before you see Superman. In the Snyder cut, you got to wait three hours before you see Superman. Okay? And it's just like, this is the Justice League. We want to see Superman. And we understand that the way that you wrote it is that Superman's dead and we got to bring him back. But I like that it happened earlier rather than later. You know, and it just seems like with the Snyder cut, okay, now we're investing all of these time, all this time into these characters and Batman, you know, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Aquaman, the Flash, we're going with them on this journey to like defeat Steppenwolf and all of this stuff. And this is all super important. But then the more time we invest in that, the less all of that matters, the more it seems like we're robbed when Superman just shows up at the last minute to save the day, you know? Okay, so we're, we've gotten into the weeds quite a bit just talking about the characters, and I think that that was important to talk about, but let's talk about some of the technical aspects. We really already sort of discussed what we both thought about the, the visual effects and some of the problems with that. So let's uh let's talk about the music and the
0: sound design. Why don't you give me some of your thoughts on that? So I don't know how the other DC fans feel about this, but I always thought that Superman should have retained the Superman, the John Williams Superman theme. You know, maybe it could have been updated a little bit. Uh, you know, the Hans Zimmer theme wasn't it's not bad. It's just it's not. It doesn't give you the same feeling as, as not even close to the John Williams theme. So, I, I'm hoping that comes back. Um, it wasn't really in either movie, except for maybe you know like three seconds. As far as the rest of the score, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't really affected one way or the other by the music. Maybe because I, I wasn't paying attention, and that's because it's not something that I would remember. You know, like the John Williams Superman theme. Mm-hmm. I remember that, you know, 30 years later, I can still remember it, but nothing about either score for these was memorable.
1: I generally agree with that. The, the Danny Elfman score from the theatrical cut, while it wasn't great, it didn't really detract anything. For me, it, wasn't, it was not It was. quite neutral, you know? It was just sort of in the background and didn't really affect me one way or the other, kind of like what you were saying. Um, the Junkie XL score in the Snyder Cut just really honestly didn't work for me. There was moments where it was okay and it seemed like it worked, but there were some scenes where the the music just did not suggest the mood of the scene. And that happened quite a few times throughout the movie, and it was just kind of a detraction for me. And while, the, like I said, the Danny Elfman thing, uh, the score was not memorable at all to me i didn't really see anything yeah. as being a negative negative. and um what okay. about well, the uh sound design overall was there any um anything that stood out to you in terms of things that you liked or didn't like in terms of the sound design on either of the cuts
0: uh you know i i didn't really notice anything that was memorable um the way that uh steppenwolf steppenwolf travels is called a boom tube which it's that beam of light that comes down then he Mm -hmm. appears which by the way cyborg has that ability also but they didn't show it because he probably doesn't know he can do that but uh the sound of that maybe wasn't epic enough for me like it wasn't too big of a deal it just kind of seemed like you know star trek teleportation yeah to me, it should—at least in the animated movies—you know—it's—it's it's a really big portal that opens up, and this one was just like a beam of light.
1: Yeah, and I kind of had that same note. It's—it's um, it's sort of this epic moment where you know, especially the first time that you see Steppenwolf and you see the beam of light come down, and you—you don't—you don't know what you're going to expect. Um, at least you shouldn't, if you you know are watching this for the first time. And it should have more of an epic sound to it. But it sounds kind of lame. And I feel like they reuse that sound effect for at different points. Like there's uh, one moment where Steppenwolf, I believe he kicks uh, Wonder Woman's shield and she goes flying. And it's the same exact sound effect. And I was just like, ah, this is just (laughs) a really lame sound to begin with. And I just wasn't feeling it. And, uh, so that was mm-hmm. a note for me as well. The only other thing that was really a problem for me, and this is sort of a long-standing problem with, is with Affleck's Batman. I don't really care for his voice and the metallic sound of it. It just doesn't work for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't really have a Batman voice. It's more of, you know, it's his suit making him sound like right. that. Where I think in the, in the Nolan Batman films, he actually had a, a different voice and so you know i don't know if ben affleck can even do a batman voice but he didn't have we'll never know no that's no you're
1: absolutely right it's like he's talking through his bat suit and it's kind of making this like garbled sort of metallic like deeper sound to it and i just never liked it and it, it just doesn't work for me in this movie as well and that's a that's a subjective thing, but I do not really see any other technical aspects or a technical flaws with any of the sound design. I mean, generally, it sounded really good. You know, if you listen to it on a good uh, set of headphones or a good speaker system, it's a, both of these movies are very good in terms of the, just the way that they
0: sound. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, the post credit scene was clearly created to appease the fans. It really did didn't have much to do with what happened in the movie. Um, it, for those that have played the Injustice video games, you know it, it showed Superman as being some sort of evil person that is now ruling the world, and that's pretty much what happens in the video games too. So it was interesting, You know, it showed Jared Leto as the Joker. Could he have been a good Joker? Yes, but he wasn't. And I don't know if that's because of the material he was given or what, but. It was okay. Yeah, I mean, Jared Jared
1: Leto is a capable actor. I mean, he really is. I think that sometimes he's put into roles that he's just not fit for. And uh, I personally think that the Joker is just one of those roles. You yeah. know, it's just sometimes you just have to find a right fit. And I don't know how much of his Joker was his own creation and, and how much of it was Zack Snyder's. I really don't know the answer to that. But whatever happened, this is what we ended up with. Yeah. And his Joker just on so many different levels just does not work. Right.
0: I, I agree with that. I mean, if he's given another chance in the future, maybe he can change things up. I mean, he is a good actor. I mean, not in Morbius, but he is a good actor. <laughs> and so, yeah, he could, he could probably do it if given the right material to work with. But we didn't see that.
1: Now, really quickly, for, um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, can you kind of explain what's actually happening in the post credit sequence?
0: Yeah, so you see uh, the world has kind of been destroyed. It looks like Darkseid or Steppenwolf has accomplished their mission. Uh, so the world's all dirty. Batman doesn't really have a suit. Like he's still wearing the Batman helmet or the, you know, whatever it is. But, and then he just has like a trench coat which is a little strange. Uh, The Flash is still there, has some new weapons. Um, Mira from Aquaman is there. And the Joker is there, apparently in some sort of capacity to assist Batman, which Batman is not very happy about. But I guess he needs him for something, which isn't explained. And then uh, they're walking down the street. Superman shows up. And I don't think you see what happens after that but it's pretty apparent that Superman is right about to destroy all of them.
1: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, if I had seen this in any other context, it would have been really interesting to me. But when I see it in this movie, I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, like, why is this here? And it's just another one of those things where it's just like, Zack Snyder had a bunch of ideas and he just threw them all in the movie and had no discipline as to like what stayed and what, what went. You know, I, I can sort of envision his thinking of like, oh, like, you know, there's all these future movies that we could possibly do off of like, we can branch these storylines in all these different directions, but apparently none of that's happening. And. Now we're just kind of left with this movie that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I kind of feel the same way about the introduction of Martian Manhunter. Like that was just another one of those like WTF moments where I'm just like, you know, this is just another character that's introduced here with no explanation. And but now that he's now that he's here, now we can just make another Martian Manhunter movie and, you know, tie it in somehow. And. I just felt like there was too much of that.
0: Yeah, I think it was clear the Martian Manhunter was just for the fans. Uh, he didn't really do anything. You know, he, just, he, he was in the movie twice, once after he visits uh, Lois Lane at her apartment, which apparently he is masquerading as the Secretary of Defense because the Martian Manhunter has the ability to look like anybody he wants to. He yeah. can read minds, he can fly, all kinds of things. And then in the end, he shows up at Bruce Wayne's house and says you know how can I help and it was kind of interesting at at the end was you could tell now that was a a new shot I believe because Ben Affleck looked like he lost about 20 pounds of muscle yeah and it looks like he just showed up that day didn't even read what was going on made that scene and then left oh yeah it was probably
1: one of those ones that
0: was done in Zack Snyder's backyard probably clearly for the fans um and only because in most Justice League animated movies and the things, the cartoons on TV, the Martian Manhunter is always there.
1: Yeah, and I just in the, just to kind of sidetrack really quickly, it just kind of makes me wonder like like why they decided to choose the 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 characters that they did for this. Because I mean obviously you need the main ones. You need Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and the Flash, but like that sixth person could have been a lot of different options right it could have been could, martian manhunter it could have been green lantern um you know they could have chosen a bunch
0: of like other
1: characters
0: yeah the the two most likely people that it could have been would have been the martian manhunter or the green lantern now what i have heard or what i've read in the news and and obviously you know you can't believe everything you read but it seems pretty reliable that hbo is going to come out with a Green Lantern series. I think the reason they didn't include him in the Justice League is because what the Green Lantern does is a little too magic-looking, I guess. Yeah, you know, and it it would just be too much magical special effects going on. And the Martian Manhunter is, you know, similar to to Superman in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I wouldn't say he's as interesting as the the ones that were in the movie. Sure, but but yeah, they they could have had them in there, but I think they need their own their own uh, movie or TV show before they get introduced into one of the movies.
1: So the kind of the last like technical thing that I want to bring up that can't really can't really finish this out without mentioning is that um, the the theatrical version of this film was presented in a typical widescreen aspect ratio of 1.85 to 1 and the snyder cut is its more of a more of a square looking format it's a 1.33 what's called an academy ratio where essentially they've cropped the sides off of the film um, snyder claims that this is how we always envision the film but to me it just seems kind of claustrophobic and doesn't give the epicness that this film really needs I mean did you have any opinions about it <laughs> yeah
0: actually I completely agree when I saw it I just thought it was weird looking and i I remember actually asking you what's going on like why why are the sides chopped off and uh, didn't really make any sense to me because it's not like it's not like it's doing anything for the audience you know it's not give it, it's actually taking away something. Right. The rest of the scenery, you know? Yeah. And
1: I mean, there's nothing wrong with using that aspect ratio. I think, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, a movie like, uh, the lighthouse can actually benefit by, by this format because what it does is actually focuses in on characters and it's kind of gives you this sense of claustrophobia and that, um, you may want that in your film, right? But in a a superhero film like this, that's supposed to be epic. It's supposed to be grand. It's supposed to be this huge cinematic achievement. You know, I would have preferred a widescreen aspect ratio. It just would have looked better. It just looked better to me in the theatrical cut.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I I would have liked it that way too. And And apparently
1: some people have like, made uh, widescreen versions of the Snyder Cut and posted them online.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if it's possible, but maybe maybe Warner Brothers or or what are they called now? Warner Brothers or Discovery, WB or whatever, will release a version that's widescreen later on, if they can. I hope they do. I really do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would definitely just, it'd make it a better looking film, you know? And that four to three aspect ratio is just a little bit distracting to me. It's just like, it takes me out of the movie and makes me wonder like why they're making the technical decisions that they are when I should be just like immersed in the film. Yeah. And I, I don't really like that, but. So let's get into our final segment, which is art or trash. Now we usually talk about whether sex and violence are necessary to move the story forward or to say something about the characters. Since this movie has no sex in it, unfortunately, unfortunately, that leaves us to deal with the R rating of the Snyder Cut and whether the level of violence and gore compared to the theatrical cut is really necessary.
0: What do you think? I think the Snyder Cut did have more violence and gore than the theatrical cut, maybe even not enough, and I, I hope we see a little bit more in the future. But the fact is, in my opinion, the Snyder Cut is definitely superior to the theatrical cut in almost every way. I think most of the public agrees. Obviously, I agree. And Caleb agrees, too. He just hasn't admitted it yet. So uh, what do you think about that? What I think is that you're out
1: of your goddamn mind. Actually, like I said uh, before, I don't really mind violence, but in... The case of Wonder Woman specifically, I thought that uh, I could have done without a little bit of the violence just because I felt that it was a little bit out of her character. And generally, I don't care for the darker tone of the Snyder Cut, but
0: that's just me. I know a lot of people like this movie. So right before we end, I just want to say a couple of things for the DC fans out there and also the audience in general as to what may be coming in the future. Um, I, I don't think this is the end of what's called the Snyder verse. Um, I don't think Zach. I don't I don't know if Zack Snyder is going to be involved in the future stuff. But as of today, which is October 31st, uh, the, the latest that we have heard is Superman is back. Um, by the way, go see Black Adam. It's a good movie. Superman is back with Henry Cavill. He's going to be a happier, brighter Superman. Uh, We don't know who's directing it. Uh, we've got The Flash coming. We have Aquaman 2, possibly a Wonder Woman 3, possibly a Justice League 2 II and or 3. And uh I had heard once that there was a Cyborg solo movie coming, but then I think Ray Fisher got into a fight with uh, DC films but now but now they have been replaced too. Uh James Gunn the old Marvel director is now running DC studios along with some other guy um, so the executives have all been replaced thanks to The Rock Dwayne Johnson who apparently has a lot of power in Hollywood uh, so I think there's a lot of things coming and I am really looking forward to a big epic Superman movie with the original music that's just more it's happier and Superman is once again super like he used to be a little bit more like he was in the 80s so that's what I'm looking forward to
1: well thanks for the update I'm also looking forward to that next Superman movie as I mentioned one of my main problems with this movie was just the portrayal of Superman so if they can if they can get back to just kind of the basics of what made Superman super. I think that they've got a good formula. You know, Henry Cavill is a great actor. He's he's a good Superman. It's just it just kind of makes me sad sometimes when I see the material that he's given. And so hopefully uh, we have a good director and uh, good screenplay to
0: work off of for this next movie. Yeah, I agree. So in conclusion, this is Adam. My opinion is I I do believe the Snyder Cut is a vastly superior version to the theatrical cut yes it's a long movie but if you are DC fan uh, and you know some of the backstories without having to be told the backstories in the movies the Snyder Cut is the way to go I, I like the new things that have been added I like the stories that were told and I'm really looking forward to more by the way We do wanna hear your opinions on uh, uh, what you think about both cuts. I wanted to let everybody know there is a Facebook page now. Uh, It's just Paris Cinema. And there's also an email address. Uh, It's Podcast, just one word, at gmail.com. So please let us know what you think, what you wanna see, and what you thought of our opinions. And uh, we hope to hear from you.
1: Thanks, Adam. And uh, once again, we are also on Twitter and Instagram, so find us on there and have a chat with us. Um, and just my final take on this, Adam, I, I love that you love the Snyder Cut. I really do. And I love that, um, you know, Zack Snyder was able to make the film that he wanted to make. I'm a big fan of directors having control over their films. And as much as I didn't like the film, I'm glad that it's made and I'm glad that people are enjoying it. But my final take is that I do believe that the theatrical cut, as bad as it is, is a better movie than the Zack Snyder Justice League. And I'll leave it right there. We'll see you all next week.